At the place that I'm currently employed, I tell people all the time, you have to take time for you because if you let yourself die, let this job kill you, your position will likely be posted before your funeral even happens. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with board certified psychiatrist, Dr. Nicole Washington. She says that functioning does not mean you are fulfilled. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. If you're an OG listener or an official purpose chaser, welcome back. It's so good to have you here another month. Can you believe how quickly 2019 is flying by? It's May already and May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so I thought we would kick off by having a conversation with someone who really supports high functioning, high achieving folks and not being ashamed of needing support when it comes to their mental health. And I know that that is this community. Now, if you are new here, then what you should know is that we're a community that believes that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We believe that wealth is about well-being. And so every week we tackle several topics, but they all come back to these foundational six pillars of wealth. And I really invite you to go back in your podcast app, listen to those first several episodes and get familiar. What you're going to learn is the first pillar in redefining wealth is the fit pillar. And the fit pillar is about becoming your best self, not just being in physical shape, the best physical shape possible, but being mentally in shape. Because I believe sometimes that we want more, we dream of more, we desire more, but we don't always have the mental capacity to sustain it. And what I love about our guest today is that she really aims to help folks who are high achievers because we're the ones who are tempted to believe that because we keep showing up, we keep getting work done, we keep achieving, we keep striving, that that means that we're fulfilled. And that's not necessarily true. Just because we're functioning doesn't necessarily mean that we're fulfilled and we're content and that we're happy and that we even are connected anymore to what brings us the most joy and what that big why is. And I really believe all of that is really important as you look to continue your pursuits of wealth building. So before we get into that, I have to give a shout out to my purpose chasers. So official purpose chasers are folks who are So in love with these pillars and wanting to make it a practical part of their life that they have joined up in community. I have a completely complimentary community for the Redefining Wealth podcast, and you can find out more about it at IamAPurposeChaser.com. That's IamAPurposeChaser.com. Completely free. Come over, get to meet other purpose chasers from all over the world, but especially those in your own backyard. You have a community where you can unpack what you're learning in the podcast. Tell us how you're applying it. Ask for support because we are so big on seeking wisdom and asking for help. Share your ahas, share your struggles and know that that is a safe space for you. So come on over to IamAPurposeChaser.com. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about Dr. Nicole. Dr. Nicole Washington has spent most of her career caring for and being an advocate of those with severe mental illness. In recent years, she has become interested in caring for physicians and other high performers with mental health disorders who are typically not seeking treatment due to stigma or busy schedules. 
Through her practice, the Amazon best-selling book, From Introspection to Action, The High-Level Professional's 28-Day Journey to Improving Mental Health, and a recently launched podcast, The C-Suite Confidant. She hopes to break down some of the barriers to receiving treatment that this population faces, as well as engage listeners in topics relevant to the busy professional. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Nicole. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Dr. Nicole. Thank you. I am super excited to have this conversation with you today. First of all, we clearly met at Podcast Movement, but as I start sharing, before I started recording, I was like, how did I get this book? I, you know, I had such a busy summer and was going from thing to thing. And honestly, I'm one of those people who I like to clear everything out before I get home. You know, when you go to conferences or trade shows or whatever, and you come back with so much stuff, you're like, I can't even fit another thing in my suitcase or in my carry-on. But I had started flipping through your book and I was like, oh, well, this has to go. This has to make it back to the house. And then I had it on my desk for a few weeks and I would just kind of open it up and start reading. I didn't even read it in in the order that we were supposed to. I'm sorry. (laughs) I I started going through this and reading and just got kind of hooked. And I was like, wow, this is definitely something that I want to eventually introduce the audience to. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And thank you for for getting it to me, slipping it in my bag. However you gave it to me, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. welcome. (laughs) So the book is called From Introspection to Action, The High Level Professional's 28-Day Journey to Improving Mental Health. And first of all, just with the high-level professional's journey to improving mental health, I was like, oh yeah, let me tuck this away. I I know I'm going to need this. But then when I read, um, I think the intro, What really stood out to me was this little section because it spoke to me, girl, on like 19 different levels. You don't feel comfortable unless you are busy and active and involved in something. You may not even be able to separate your identity from your career anymore. Yes, you are a doctor, a lawyer, or a C-suite executive, but there is also a person in there beyond that title, a person who needs just as much attention as your family or career does. (sighs) I know some people just heard that and just had to take a sigh. What inspired you, Dr. Nicole, to write this book? I'm a physician. Um, I'm a psychiatrist. And there have been points in my, in my career that I thought, you know, I should do this or I, you know, I need to, I need to do something for me. One of the biggest things that happened to me was I gave birth to my daughter on-time pregnancy, everything was going well. Gave birth to her on a Friday. I was back in the hospital on the Monday. I was having a heart problem. At a week postpartum, I had a pacemaker put in. Wow. And I, after I had that pacemaker put in, I started having horrible panic attacks and found myself thinking, well, I probably need to go talk to somebody, but who am I going to go talk to? Because I'm the psychiatrist. So who am I supposed to talk to? I know that HIPAA is a real thing. I know that, but I was still worried. You know, if I go see a therapist in town, are they going to go talking and telling people, hey, I saw that Dr. Washington, let me tell you. Uh, You know, so I was really worried about that. And fortunately for me, I know 
what to do. I kind of did therapy on myself because I really was concerned about the stigma and all of that, even though I know that's what needed to happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I dealt with that and just struck me over the years that I've had several colleagues who have found themselves in situations where they felt like maybe they should go talk to somebody, but what's going to happen if you're the pediatrician and you run into one of your kids' parents at the psychiatrist? They're going to go, what is Dr. So-and-so doing in here? And even though they're there, they're going to judge you for being there. And so you just, I hear enough of those stories over time and I just, you know, I, I hit that wall. I, I talk about in the book how I went to my primary care doctor and she said to me, how are you? You know, you just going on and taking on everybody else. And I bawled like a baby. Like I just thought, oh my gosh, how am I? And I just kind of lost it. And that was really one of the points where I thought, okay, now it's time to do something. Now Wait it's a time. Minute. That is so key though. That is so key. I mean... You know, this show, the listeners of this show are typically very high achieving, high level professionals. And you just said something so key. You have to stop and ask yourself in the midst of all your busyness and multitasking and, you know, all the things that you are responsible for, all the hats you wear, all the roles you play. Truly, how am I? And what I love about the book is you call it a mental health checkup. And I think that's the foundation, right, of just checking in on your mental health is being able to be still for a moment and say, how am I really? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You check up along the way and hopefully you can make small changes along the way so that you don't get to a point where you need to make a huge change because something bigger has happened. And that's what I liked about the book. I mean, it's a compact little guide you can carry around in your purse, which I liked. And I love that it was based on the small steps along the way, like the, the just like a daily. You can read it and take 10 minutes or so and really just reflect on how does this apply to me right now? And if I need to make a shift, what is that small shift that I can make? And one of the big things, one of the big sections, um, week two And week three in the book is all about dysfunctional thoughts. And I really wanted to kind of highlight some of these because these are the areas where I feel like we don't take enough time to ask ourselves where we are on the spectrum when it comes to some of these thoughts, or we may not even be aware that they're dysfunctional, even though we are functioning, even though we are functioning highly. And one of the things that you said in the book that I really liked was, You know, you're a wife, you're a mom, you have a thriving career as a psychiatrist, and yet there were points where you still felt unfulfilled, which we all, I mean, that's what redefining wealth is for me, is like reminding people about the fulfillment piece. But you said, I've always had a million things going on at once and multitasked myself into the ground, but I was still functioning, so I kept pushing through. And I think that's the thing. We don't realize that some of these thoughts are a problem because we're able to still perform. We're able to still push through. We're able to still show up. But the truth is, when we don't take time to ask ourselves how we are and maybe deal with some of these different thoughts that you present in the book, that we're really doing ourselves a disservice. Right. And I I tell people all the time, you know, a lot of times our careers, our industries, our companies, they will continue to allow us to run ourselves in the ground as long as we're willing to take on that extra committee and that extra 
you know, project and that extra thing that we're going to do. As long as we continue to do that, they will let us uh, continue to do that. One of the things at the place that I'm currently employed, I tell people all the time, you have to take time for you because if you let yourself die and let this job kill you, your position will likely be posted before your funeral even happens, which is the reality of most of us. I mean, I think if we think about it, we just kind of run ourselves down, run ourselves down and don't set good boundaries with our careers. And we, we have not realized if something happens to us, we are replaceable. Girl, did you say your job posting, (laughs) the job posting will go up before your funeral arrangements have even been made? If that's not the truth, like I actually someone told me in my Patreon group, we did this um, live Q&A and someone mentioned that that was a meme that before someone's obituary could even be posted, their job description was posted, like the job opening, right? Absolutely. The job was the very thing that they allowed to run them into the ground. And so, and there's just so many other things. Like I, I really like that you unpack not so much what we allow other people to do, but what I liked about your book is that so much of it was the stuff that we allow ourselves to do. Like the, just the stuff that we allow by not taking some of these dysfunctional thoughts captive and dealing with what the implications are in our everyday life. So I, w- I want to jump into some of those and I just want to throw them out there and you can like help us unpack this. I want to share some of the ones that really stood out to me. And the first thing that I want to do is kind of combining too, um, because day eight was holding yourself to unreasonably high standards. And day 23 was about giving yourself permission to be broken. And I felt like those were two sides of the same coin because I remember doing an interview with Marshawn Evans um, uh, about believing bigger. And she talked about how you could be addicted to achievement and how that addiction for her and wanting to achieve, achieve, achieve started in grade school. Right. And it seems okay because you're rewarded for it and you're applauded for it. And then you keep going and going and going. um, Even throughout your career, but holding yourself to unreasonably high standards to the point where you just can't give yourself permission to to not, to have a human moment. Can you talk about that? Yeah, you know, we are doing the superwoman thing because we feel like we have to. So, you know, we look at the Instagram, Facebook moms, and we think, man, you know, that person seems to have it all together. I should probably have it all together. When the reality is none of us can have it all together all the time. So, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I am a Christian. I, you know, I want to eat healthy and exercise. I want to be a great friend. I want to keep in touch with all my family and friends, but you know, I I can't do everything. And I have to constantly remind myself that I can't do everything. I am not superhuman. I am a person and I can't do it all. I, and just because I can do all these things doesn't mean I have to. Mm -hmm. And just once you you start thinking, you know, do I have to do that? Why am I killing myself? Why am I why am I beating myself up because I didn't work out today? Or why am I beating myself up because I missed an event at my kids' school? Why am I beating myself up because I left work an hour early to go do something with my kids? And those are all the, the places that we find ourselves torn between all these things that we think we have to do. And we just hold ourselves to these expectations that are not reasonable. 
What creates that though? Do you think that it is so much because for me, like social media is still relatively new, right? And yes, I see looking at other people and looking at all the stuff that they that they're doing, you know, that filtered perspective of someone else's life. And I see that can be detrimental and and I hear it all the time. But I know for myself, I started to have these unreasonably high standards long before Facebook and Instagram. Like I'm talking second and third grade. I remember being on some like, I must win the spelling bee. Like I must. Like, like nothing less than a 98 is acceptable. And not because my parents even put that on me, not directly because, you know, my family are immigrants, you know, they're not from this country and all this stuff. So they are just, I really feel like they would have been cool with like, you know, just do good. Don't get suspended. It wasn't really this. You must like excel at this rate, but somehow I picked it up. I have theories about how I got there, but I just want to hear what your thoughts are for people who end up that way and then they don't know when to let that go. You know, some of us are just driven. I mean, we just, our personalities, we're those type A people. Um, I have since I was five years old and every, what do you want to be when you grow up essay, have always said I wanted to be a physician. And the best, I'm just a super driven like I'm a goal setter, you know, I set one goal, I meet it and I'm on to the next goal. Sometimes not even taking time to celebrate or enjoy the goal that I reached because I'm just like, okay, what's next? What's next? Girl, don't and, I know that one? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we're that way and that's how we get to where we are, right? You don't get to be America's money maven without being very driven. You know, I don't get to leave the neighborhood I left and and get to med school and live the life I want to live without being very driven. And I think that, you know, as we have our daughters and our sons and we see that in them, I think it's important for us to foster, to strengthen that and to build it up, but to also kind of teach our kids how to rein it in. I have a daughter who's very driven and who is very, you know, she's 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 a leader. And she is going to do big things one day, I'm sure. But I have to, even with her, get her to slow it down a little bit and talk to her about that balance early. Yeah, because everyone's addiction doesn't turn into, you know, alcohol and drugs. You know, some people, it can literally be the applause. Mm-hmm. It can be like, okay, the the checklist. Like, okay, cool, did that, on to the next. And to mm-hmm. your point, you know, I had to learn to give myself permission to celebrate because for whatever reason, I would get into like, you know, you only as good as your last win, <laughs> you know, like that. OK, that was yesterday. So what you doing today? That doesn't matter. That's gone. And it's like by the time people even find out about some of the things that I've done, I'm so far beyond that, that sometimes I find myself downplaying it because to me, it's old. Does that make sense? Oh, Someone's like, oh my gosh, congratulations. And I'm like, girl, that's like 19 accomplishments ago. <laughs> 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 and I forget. And um, I put this post on Facebook years ago. And I, I, I love that Facebook does that little rewind thing or the flashback type of thing, because I love when I see it. And it was about 
being in this space one time where, oh, I was picking up this box and it kind of fell apart and it was all the magazines and stuff that I had either written for or been featured in. And there were dozens of them. This is like 2014 or so. And that was the first time. And oh, in the midst of it was my grandmother's obituary. And my grandmother had passed in 2013. And that's the granny that raised me. And um, I don't even know how that obituary got in there with those particular magazines. Like it didn't even make sense. But when it all fell out and I saw my granny's obituary, it was a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I've had all these opportunities and, you know, to write and to write books and be featured in this way. And my grandma didn't have an elementary school education. Like, I don't feel like I'm even honoring her the way that I should when I don't take time to stop and celebrate what this really means. Like that my grandmother didn't sacrifice to come to this country for nothing. Like I am the manifestation of what she was hoping and praying for when she didn't even probably have words to put to it, you know? And I'm like, how do I not, in the midst of me wanting to be, you know, stuck to these high standards, how do I not give myself permission to just chill for a second and enjoy that and celebrate that and, you know, just pay homage and respect to the, you know, the shoulders that I get to stand on. I'm like, and so when I do see it come up and I'm still, I struggle with this, but it's something that I'm very much more aware of now that you have to pause high achieving professional and and really take a moment to celebrate. Nobody's saying like, you know, keep living in your glory days from 1980, but you know, like you do have to pause and just have an opportunity to celebrate and realize what that means and not just how it impacts you, but how it impacts either the legacy that you're leaving for your own children or those who look up to you or, you know, the legacy of the people who came before you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So another thing that you talked about um, was sometimes we get into the habit of focusing on the negative. And this one really stood out to me because it made me think of, you know, I'm in a space where I'm always around a lot of creators. So that might be YouTubers or podcasters, authors, coaches, whatever. And I think we all have been in a place before where you could have glowing reviews, glowing testimonials, all these comments. I love you. I love you. This is great. You changed my life. You're amazing. Oh my gosh, you opened me up to so much. And then one person will say, you suck. And we like hone in (laughs) on that one thing in a sea of wonderful whatever. We will hone in on that one negative thing. Can you talk to us about why we tend to focus on the negative, how that happens and how we can stop doing that? You know, I mean, we do that. Everybody does that. Think about the news. You don't ever turn on the evening news and they tell you all of the great things that happened in your city, right? They only talk about the horrible things that happen. I would love to turn on the news and see a whole hour segment of just really great things that we're going and that's just not, that's not what we focus on. It's not what we deal with. It's not what we're intrigued by. We, you know, you can ask someone, how was your day? And they'll, oh, it was awful. And they'll tell you one bad thing that happened. And if you challenge them to name, you know, four or five good things for every bad thing, they're usually pretty easily able to come up with that list. But we just tend to focus on 
the things that are negative. And that just comes with a shift. That just comes with, with purposely and being very intentional about focusing on the positive. And that's where that gratitude, where that gratitude practice are those gratitude affirmations come in. When we can, can focus our thoughts more on the positive and learn to restructure the way we think about it. So what does that look like in practical everyday life though? So you come home, your significant other may say, hey, how was your day? And the thing you've been waiting to say is about how your coworker cut up today. Like that's what you've been waiting on. Now you had great interaction with patients or clients and there was like all these other things that happened, but that's what you've been waiting to say. How do you start to train yourself in the moment to recognize that you are way too focused on that thing. So it doesn't mean that my first thought won't be, and my first statement may be, let me tell you what happened today. And I, I mean, I will, I'll go in on what happened. <laughs> I will make he understands every, let me, and she said this and this, I mean, I will, I will, I will let it go. I will give it to him. I will tell him all about it. And the, the biggest thing is that you don't hold on to it, right? So if things happened and I called my husband at noon and I said, let me tell you about what this so-and-so did today, you know, and I just lay, lay it out for him. If I'm still talking about it when I get home or still harping on it when I get home, that might be a problem. Mm-hmm. But if I can, I can let it out and let it go, I'm, I'm pretty okay with that. Uh, I think the, the key is to not hold on to it. So I actually, at my job, believe it or not, I have a, um, I have an affirmation. I had a wall on the inside of a cabinet and I turned it into a folder. So I have a folder of sticky notes. And when I have something great happen, a patient's family will say something really nice to me that touches me. Uh, a staff member will have something really good happen for them or Something just what you know those those days at work where you go okay this is why I do this I help yeah. this I did this I just jot them down on a sticky note and I put them on a folder mm. so and I have those bad things happen I just open up the folder I go to my little file open up the folder and I will kind of remind myself oh yeah I remember that it just kind of helps me to not get so focused on the negative stuff and remind myself that there are really good things that happen to me over the course of it. You know what? I started doing that in my marriage. So Mm -hmm. on our 10 year anniversary, I got this little box, um, cute little monogrammed, I guess you call it box. And whenever my husband does really cute things or nice things, I try to remember to put it on a sticky note and just throw it in there. Because we all know that inevitably he gonna do something, and I'm gonna want to focus on that one negative thing. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna yes, want to yes. focus on that one negative thing. And so sometimes it's funny I forget that the box is even there, but it might be one of those moments. You know, anyone in a relationship knows what I'm talking about when you're like, <sighs> and you know what? Today could be the day, right? And I just happen to walk by it, and I'm like, mm. okay, Lord, I see. That's why this box is strategically here. Let me open it up. And inevitably, it might take me six or seven little sticky notes that are in there folded up. It might take me a few to read, but then it helps me remember what is, which is another point that you talk about, you know, not make something always, you know, always conversation. Because when we're in that place of focusing on the negative, we also, depending on who we're dealing with, it becomes like they always do such and such. 
they always make me feel, which is not on them to make me feel anything, of course, but they always, they always, and the truth is, no, that's not true because you have these other examples of what also happens throughout the regular course of your day, your life, your week, whatever. So I totally, I love that. And couples, you might want to, you know, put this into practice too at work or in your relationships or even maybe how you feel about yourself, right? But because I know sometimes when I'm struggling with something too, it does help to look at different affirmations that remind me that I'm capable or that's that important I'm important. Right, absolutely. And that's important with your kids. That's important with your husband. That's important in your job. Sometimes that's important even for just your own self-esteem. You know, if you if you find yourself getting to that point where you start to doubt your ability or doubt your worth or doubt your, you know, sometimes you have to, Make a folder for yourself and remind yourself, I have this degree. I am capable. I have done this. I have done that. And that's hard to do because it's hard to toot our own horns sometimes. But sometimes you have to dig and go, wait a minute, I do have some good stuff going on. Yeah. When I was doing the Earn More Money movement for women, one of the exercises that I would give was to create a brag folder. Because to your point, we do, it's sometimes it's hard to toot our own horns, but we also, if you are the person who goes from thing to thing to thing, you forget. Like I genuinely have forgotten different things that I've done until I see it or hear someone say it when they're introducing me or something. I'm like, oh girl, you did do that, huh? But because I was so onto the next thing, like we talked about in the beginning, I never really let it sink in. So I forget. And in terms of just negotiating and stuff like that and knowing your value in terms of what you charge and how you monetize your business and stuff, that's also really important just to have that little brag folder, those reminders of things that you have done and who you really are, like who you really are, but beyond the titles. Right. And as women, we are made to feel guilty sometimes if we, you know, if a man talks about his accomplishments, he's confident, right? And, you know. If we do it, it doesn't always come across the same. You know, we're made to feel guilty about wanting to be successful and wanting to make money and wanting to. Nobody kind of puts that on men when they are doing the same things. See, that's why I believe in being in circles of women, though, that will help you celebrate those things and remind you of that, of how powerful you are and that there's nothing wrong with that. Because I think especially is, you know, a lot of times with entrepreneurs or we work in this gig economy where so many of us may work from home and we work by ourselves and we're not really in community. So we are not always reminded of of those things. Like I don't have coworkers per se, you know, like I can't go over to the next office or cubicle or whatever and like have this quick conversation possibly And I think that's why it's important to be around other powerful women, because if you're out here on your own, you will, you can succumb to that. Oh, it's not polite or it's not the right thing. And I love a woman who'll be like, girl, and I'll do the same thing for my friends. You know, I'm like, of course you should charge him for that. What does he think this is? Like you need, (laughs) like you need those reminders. And sometimes it's just not, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much you've accomplished. You still need those reminders. Right, right. I mean, the, the, the concept of imposter syndrome is, you know, making its way back into popularity. 
and it's along those lines of just not feeling like you're good enough or not feeling that you deserve to be on that same level with other people. And it's incredible because to your point too, I don't know, I, I've had different conversations with this in different about this in different circles, but no, no hate on the men, but men will have complete delusions of grandeur <laughs> and be completely confident in it. And a woman can have like so many credentials and so many things behind her name and still downplay where a guy can have like half of that and be like, yeah, I'm the man. Like, what you thought? You heard. Right. <laughs> it's like, what? Um, <laughs> Um, another, some other words that you say we should kind of eliminate, not eliminate, but I guess manage in our vocabulary when it comes to just these dysfunctional thoughts are the shoulda, coulda, woulda, the have tos, um, in particular, and then always again, the, the always and never conversations. What are using these types of terms do to us or for us? Should is one of my big ones that I, you know, work on personally and with other people. Um, you know, we say things like, well, I should not do that. I, you know, I should do this. And really, we all, we may not be aware of it, but we all function um, by this set of rules that we've created. We all have these rules that we live by. And the, when you start using, I should do this, I should do that, I shouldn't do this, I should do that. Those are mainly based on the rules that we've set for ourselves. And then not only do we impose these rules on ourselves, then we turn around and we put those same expectations on other people sometimes. So there, there, there's all the unpacking, you know, why do I think I should do this? You know, why do I think I, I shouldn't? For me, one thing was I feel like I should be at all of my children's functions. And so that one I had to work through, like I thought I should. And when I didn't make those things, I felt really guilty. I, I put, I was really hard on myself. I put a lot on myself that, oh man, I missed this assembly. I missed, you know, I feel so bad, you know, and I just would really beat myself up about it. And my husband finally just asked me, he said, you know, she just got one little certificate. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> You can't be at everything. And I, you know, I, I think, oh, he doesn't know. But he's right. I can't be at everything. I've chosen a career in medicine that sometimes does pull me away from, from things just by nature of what I do. And even if I weren't a physician, if I were a school teacher, if I were, heck, if I were, you know, a custodian cleaning the school, if I was a lunch lady, I might miss some stuff. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a bad mom, but I I created this rule in my head that if I wasn't at all my kids' things, that somehow it made me less of a mom or less of a good mom than those moms who were stay-at-home moms or just all this stuff. And I just had to start unpacking that stuff and challenging my own self. And like you said, having your tribe of friends that you unpack stuff with together, because a lot of times you have the same rules and you start realizing that, you know, my friends and I would sit around and go, you know what? We are all insane. That's right. <laughs> we, are, we are all losing our minds. Yeah. And just realistic and teaching our kids that the reality is I may not be in everything. And that's OK. I still love you. I'm still your mom. Right. 
You know what I found, Dr. Nicole? Just not too long ago, uh, I was attending an event and I live in the suburbs of L.A., which means when I want to go to something in L.A., you have to pre-plan that thing out because L.A. traffic, right, is no joke. And I still wanted my daughter to be able to do her full basketball tryout without disturbing like that whole process, even though we both knew she was going to make it anyway. Like, it's not like if I took her out of the second day early, they were going to be like, oh, she's not committed. She can't play or any of that. And my husband offered me, he was out of town, but he was like, you know, I can have my mom, you know, help. But his mom lives further out in deeper suburbs than us. And I'm like, I feel like she should be called for emergencies, not for like this. I should be able to figure this out. And girl, when I tell you, I created a world of stress for myself that day, because as the time went on, And I was waiting for her, but I was trying to, you know, prepare for this event and all this stuff. I started looking at how the little red lines pop up on your directions, how how what should have been 37 minutes became 49 minutes and then an hour and two minutes and an hour and 20 minutes and an hour and 40 minutes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I should have left here a long time ago. I should not have done this to myself. I did not set my life up to support me. So nevertheless, I go get my daughter. We're on the highway. I still was going to make my event. It's just the the stress to get there because of the traffic I allowed to build up. And so we're driving. And I said, you know what, Reagan? I probably should have had Nana just help out and pick you up. Do you know what she said? She was like, mom, if this happens again, don't think twice about it. Why? I don't understand why you wouldn't have left me. Girl was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And she was so nonchalant about it. And not that, though. She was so understanding that when I have things to do, obviously, if I can be there, I'm going to be there. But when I can't, then I'm not. And that just is what it is. And she was so aware and understanding and like, yeah, like next time, don't think twice about it. You're good. We're good. And I was like... So where did I get this story from that I needed to do all of this? And one, she she saved me. She she has taught me many lessons, but she delivered me from that bondage as a mother of thinking that if I could, I should by any means necessary, even to my own detriment, even to my own creating my own little stressful bubble that was unnecessary. My daughter is like, look, we could both be good because now you rushing me and I'm not here for it. So next time, go on about your business. <laughs> you made it up like I did. We <laughs> just made it up. We just decided that we had to be there. We had to, we made it up. It was a rule that we somehow along the way, whether that came from a place of our moms always did or it felt like they always did and we just thought we had to, or maybe our mom didn't always and we wanted That's to, you it. know, you know, it comes from. That's it. You know, I think that's it for me, that my mom wasn't able to, especially Mm -hmm. because she worked so much and out of the home and so far away, that there's this thing for me that's been like, I always make sure that my daughter's school is close to home. You know, even if we put her in a private school, it still has to be a relatively short distance because like I need to be able to get there no matter what. And I have these things about what I wanted to be or how I wanted to be perceived as a mom because of what I didn't have. But I'm also, I'm also not in the same type of career that my mom was in. And so we make up these stories, but then we don't assess for where we really are, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm basing my whole story on something that happened to me in 1988 
And the truth is, that's not how my life is set up. And that story does not support my life at all. So why am I sticking to that? And that's what I loved about your book, though. Your book really, I love the section for notes and that you really just ask those questions. It gives you time to kind of consider this one thought. And then really, how does this apply to me? Where do I need to make some shifts? How can I even practice more self-care? And before I let you go, I do want to get into a bit of the self-care conversation because you cover a lot on self-care in particular for busy professionals. I just wanted to know, what are your top three suggestions for self-care? So my, my top three is that you will, one, take time to do something once a week. Something that is going to be your once a week thing doesn't have to be the same thing, doesn't have to be, you know, people hear self-care and they think, you know, massive spa days and trips. And that stuff is great. I mean, I'm not knocking it. If you can do a spa day once a week, you go right ahead. <laughs> but that's the bonus. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stick to something small. So for me, you know, maybe it's once a week you agree with yourself that you're going to take a real lunch, right? Real lunch. I mean, how many people out there have actually taken a real lunch. I mean, you not a working lunch, not and I'm in a meeting uh, yeah, lunch. Your desk lunch. Not a, I'm charting lunch. I'm responding to emails lunch. I literally step outside and I leave and I actually go eat. So I, I recommend that at least once a week people do something like that. Take a walk around the building, go outside, see the sun, just once a week do something like that. Um, the other thing I would say is I do recommend that once a month that you actually do something a little bigger. So whether that's meet up with girlfriends for lunch, whether that is, you know, date nights, whether that, whatever that is, once a month, something a little bigger to to just kind of refresh yourself, gives you something to look forward to, like, oh, this is my monthly thing. And you work hard to get to that point, you know, the next month. And then the other big, big self-care thing I find is sleep. Because listen. Yes. And we are out here trying to make it on five and six hours a night. And honestly, I'm an eight, eight and a half hour kind of person. I don't function well. You know, you started the book talking about sleep actually in the first week. And one of the things that really stood out to me was that you said that driving while sleepy is just as dangerous as driving intoxicated. And we don't think about that when we are driving ourselves into exhaustion that it's actually really dangerous and a threat, not only on the road, but I don't think people realize, Dr. Nicole, what a threat it is even professionally, if you are always operating from a place of just sheer exhaustion. Well, especially think about, you know, it's not it's not healthy for any of us, but think about if you're, you know, a physician and, you know, a mistake that you could make due to fatigue can, can mean a big deal for a patient that you're caring for. Life or death. Yeah, that's absolutely a huge thing. And I know you said three, but there is one that I have that I am embracing myself. So I feel like I'm one of them that I mentioned in the book that I'm still struggling with is the outsourcing of past. Um, You know, you feel like you have to be the one to always do these things. You you have to be the one to always write words we should not be using. But um, for me, I moved into a bigger house a year ago. And keeping this larger house clean is sometimes, you know, a chore. And I just other day, you know, it probably would not set me back financially. It probably would not. 
it probably would not be an issue if I decided that once a month I was going to have someone come in and do just a real good cleaning just to free me up to have a day with my family where we could relax and do something. And I think we sometimes feel like we have to do everything. Again, we are busy professionals. We do it all. We can take care of our families and our husbands and our kids and our work and we can still be good friends and we can still... But we we can't. And so if it means you pay a housekeeper to come in once a month, because that's all you can afford, do it. If it means you don't eat out as much because you're going to do these things, do figure it out. Like there's something you can have someone help you with. You have an in-law, a grandma, an auntie, you know, hey, you want to pick them up today for me? That'd be great. Like just asking people to help and letting people take stuff off your plate, whether it's because they love you and it's volunteer or you're paying them. Let somebody help. That is so good. That is so good. Um, And I think sometimes we struggle with those things because, first of all, we've talked about the stories that we just make up um, or for whatever reason we've related to maybe what we experience. But also, I think that sometimes, especially as women, you, you make those things, you allow those things to make you feel like, because I know how to do it, I should. Back to that should have, that should, right? Like, because I know how, or I don't want to appear incompetent because I don't. Like I had a girlfriend whose mom used to be like, you, I taught you how to clean baseboards and clean toilets. You know what to do. But this woman is billing at like $300 an hour. Like she should not be <laughs> like cleaning baseboards just because you ingrained that in her, right? In childhood and you know, one of the things that are not my ministry, Dr. Nicole, is cooking, not my ministry. And my family has let me completely off the hook. Both my husband and daughter have said, we love you anyway, but just stop, stop this, stop this foolishness that you keep trying to do. And so <laughs> the thing that I need to work on delegating much more efficiently is meal prep, like mm-hmm. just getting, I want healthy food. And I know that I need to eat regularly throughout the day to keep up my metabolism. But if it's a matter of me stopping what I'm doing, which I'm probably good at to go in the kitchen and do something that boggles my mind, then I'll just drink water all day and have some tea. <laughs> and that is not good. So, You'll take peace of mind over the stress of trying to cook. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, you know what? Instead of tackling that and creating a whole situation in my kitchen, I'll just sit here. I'll just go use the Keurig. I know how to use that. Or I'll, you know, drink another gallon of water and pretend that I'm full. Like, that is not okay, though, because I've been doing these fitness challenges and I realize that the eating consistently is such a big piece of it. And, you know, I realize at this point, just outsource, just delegate. Why are you stressing yourself out? Especially when you know this is not your ministry. That ain't what you do. Use your gifts for good. <laughs> I, am at a, <laughs> I am looking at a sticky note on my computer right now that says, just because I can does not mean I should. <laughs> Amen. That's good. I just keep it up because that is my... These days, that is my mantra. Just because I can, it does not mean I should. It does not mean I should. That's good. Well, before I let you go, I need to ask you these redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. I'm going to ask you a few questions and you just tell us the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Okay. How do you define success? I think success is defined as whatever goal you reach that that keeps you fulfilled. And I think that... I think that success is always changing. 
I think that what I define success today may be totally different a year from now because I'm completely evolving and changing all the time. So I think you, you set your goals in life. When you are fulfilled with where you are, you've reached success. I love that. And what a great note about it's always changing because that just goes back to giving yourself permission to shift. You're human and you're going to be exposed to new experiences and that'll change what you want. It could change what you want. And if it does, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Family, faith, and love. Love it. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Well, definitely. I think you can't go wrong with uh, Napoleon Hill. Think your way to wealth. You can't go wrong with that. Awesome. Fill in the blank. My name is, and the truth about wealth is. My name is Nicole Washington, and the truth about wealth is that it is not defined by finances. Oh, yes. You know I love that. (laughs) Yes. Dr. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I know that it's going to be a blessing to many. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Did you get some nuggets? I hope you got some great nuggets. I think the one that I'm still really leaning into is just that giving yourself permission to be broken. Like, oh my gosh, just giving yourself permission to lean in to when things are not going the way that we want, when we're just not feeling our best. I know sometimes even for myself as one who encourages quite a bit, sometimes I forget that I need encouragement too. That it is okay to just not to to acknowledge that I'm not in the best space and I need help. And I'm so grateful for one, always being in some form of therapy and two, having a great sister circle and great communities around me. I have so many different pockets, everything from masterminds to just good girlfriend groups to just a great family support. So I'm grateful for that. But I do recognize that when that's not enough, it's okay to go seek professional help on top of that, which I do quite often. So I want to shout out to all of the mental health professionals in this community. Thank you so much for your work. As long as I have this platform, I want to make sure that I just keep reinforcing that it is okay to go and get the support that you need. And I hope that by having these conversations here, even at Redefining Wealth, that it makes your job easier, that it allows people to let their guards down and just come in ready to do the work and ready to get the support that they need. But thank you so much for what you do day in and day out. And if you want to learn more about Dr. Nicole, make sure you hit up Dr. Nicole Psych. That's D-R-N-I-C-O-L-E. P-S-Y-C-H dot com. Dr. Nicole Psych dot com. Purpose Chasers who are in the community over at I am a purpose chaser dot com. Let's talk about this. I really would love to hear from you. I want to know what your experience has been with getting professional help. If you've noticed a difference, especially if you consider yourself to be high achieving and someone who just didn't know if it was for you and now you're glad that you did or if you just have any questions about it in general let's just talk about it so meet me over at i'm a purpose chaser.com let's talk about that you can hit me up in social media at seek wisdom pcw seek wisdom pcw is where i like to play on instagram and until next time you guys you know what it is all i want to see you do is live your life's purpose 
find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. 